Welcome to the new episode of the Mandalore podcast on InsureTech. This podcast is brought to you by Mandalore Partners in collaboration with Inside Insurance Club. My name is Min Tran, Machine Partner, and I will be your host today. Um, this is my great pleasure to host uh, Milena, which is from INSEAD. She's going to tell us uh, about herself uh, today. So in terms of admin, uh, if you can just um, put your question in the, um, in the tab Q&A, then we can monitor this because as a webinar, we don't see who's in, who's out, and therefore it's difficult. So um, we, no further ado. Uh, welcome, Milena. Thank you very much for you know spending some time with us tonight uh, and share a bit about your background and uh, the theme, right? So I just want to start first. You know, I mean, how did you end up in the insurance business? You know, what have you done before INSEAD? What have you done after INSEAD? And can you share with us, you know, how you end up uh, where you are right now? First of all, thank you, Minna, and uh, it's really great to be uh, with the INSEAD uh, colleagues here. Um, I know this is the insurance group. Uh, some of the topics we're going to uh, touch today are more relevant, I think, to majority of the industry, but uh, really be great to be in touch uh, also with the French community. Um, so as Min said, I'm Milena. I'm from South Italy, from uh, Naples, a town that is called Naples, very famous in insurance. Um, unfortunately, not for the best reasons. We tend to have a lot of insurance frauds there. Uh, and then uh, I... I did engineering, and then after that, I went into strategy consulting. I worked in Accenture and Bain, uh, and then finally ended up to do an MBA at INSEAD. Um, the reason of those choice, I think there are different ways of looking at it. One of these is probably my brother that has been always a role model for him and for me, and I did the, the same. We did engineering and then, uh, uh, and then consulting and then uh, an MBA at INSEAD. So we are an INSEAD family. Um, but also, I always had the passion for data. I have a passion for uh, um, entrepreneurship. So everything has to do with the new product development. And I do have a passion for management and, uh, and strategy in general. And this has been a bit of a, of a field rouge of my life before INSEAD. Then after, when I was at INSEAD, I never worked before in insurance. Like INSEAD, before INSEAD, I didn't know what insurance was. And actually, um, I never dream about working in insurance. Someone would have asked me, you know, do you want to work in insurance? Probably I would say, no way, forget it. But then when I was there, I met uh, um, the Admiral founder, Henry Hengelert, he's an ICIAT as well, uh, together with his co-founder, that is David Stevens, and met a few people um, from INSEAD as well that were recruiting on campus. And I just get enchanted by the people, uh, the opportunity to launch new business with Admiral in Italy, the culture of the company, um, and that uh, and a fantastic mix of opportunity, but also a big group that was still working with a point of startup entrepreneurial mentality. And so I decided to join uh, to join Admiral, and this was in two thousand and uh, beginning of two thousand and seven. And when I went in Admiral, I spent like ten months to just train and understand what insurance was. Uh, as I said, I didn't know anything about it. And then I went to Italy to launch the Italian operation that uh, is called Conte.it. Um, from scratch, there was nothing at that time. It was just, uh, just a, not even a business plan. I did a business plan in the first few months. Uh, recruited a team, and then we launched uh, six, seven months after. It was a fantastic adventure. 
with a fantastic team. It was very successful. Um, we grew quite a lot and now um, it's a big business with almost 700 people, uh, profitable uh, relatively early in the, in the few early years um, and, uh, and a fantastic journey and a fantastic adventure. And then after that, I became responsible for European insurance in Admiral that was covering also France and Spain. Um, so we have, uh, we have an operation in France that is called Olivier that I'm sure you're all uh, insured with, uh, led by a great CEO that is Pascal Gonzalez. And then we have another, another one in, in Spain. And then after that, I took responsibility also uh, on the UK business uh, that is also led by another INSEAD lady, Christina, and also our Spanish business is led by an INSEAD lady, Sarah Harris. So we have a lot of INSEAD around, around Admiral. And then more recently has been appointed as Group CEO, succeeding to um, one of the two co-founders, David Stevens. So that's a bit, uh, in a nutshell, uh, my, my background. Thank you very much. Um, very uh, impressive, very, very interesting. Now, um, you have chosen a theme uh, which is not a usual insurance theme. Can you tell us why you chose that theme and can you tell more about the theme? Yeah, so I chose this theme because uh, it's something I feel particularly passionate about. I think, so my belief is that um, the way we're going to work is going to change a lot. And uh, I think that we, I believe that uh, um, we have a, a good role to play, an important role to play. So I feel quite passionate about um, discussing and debating how we can make sure that we leave the world a bit better than uh, how we find it. And uh, we make the right choice for the long-term future and not only the, the short term. I'm spending a lot of time, as I'm sure a lot of my other colleagues and other people around the world in thinking how the new normal is going to be. And uh, I think we have an important role to play. So in a nutshell, I would say my belief is that the, the new normal is, uh, is um, for many business would be an average solution of home and work office. There will be very, a very small percentage of business that will go full remote and a very small percentage of business that will come back to office work. This, of course, depends by sector. So let me caveat that I'm speaking for sectors that are similar to that are financial service mainly and have a, at least at some extent a direct model. This hybrid solution was working already selectively um, at a small scale in some companies, but I think now will become the norm for uh, many industries. So three message for me today. Um, first of all, as I mentioned, I think it's going to be a revolution or at least a very paced evolution, not a, not a slow incremental evolution, uh, at least in some sector. And so it's better to be prepared for. The second one is that, uh, as I mentioned, I think we do have uh, as a manager a very important role to play to make it right, not only for ourselves, but also for the world that will and the, and the, the, the breeding model after us and the people that will follow us. And third, I think it will require quite profound changes um, in our leadership, in our work practice, in our space. And all those are important, but I think that the culture and the DNA, again, is what matters, not um, the action that we put in place. So should I spend a bit uh, on those uh, minutes? Okay. Yeah, sure, sure, of course. So why I say a revolution um, and not an evolution, I think for a trend to become mass market, there are a few ingredients that need to, to take place. First of all, um, it needs to solve a pressing need or it needs to um, 
be something that customer or people really require. And I think that's the case, time saving. We are all struggling for time and working in a remote uh, a hybrid solution um, help us to save commuting time. Uh, people want flexibility. There are a lot of studies, I'm sure you've read about it. And you know, one of the most recent one from uh, Harvard Business Review were saying that roughly 15% of the people want to go fully remote and 50% want to go full in the office, but vast majority, more than 70% of the people want are looking for a hybrid of, the, those, of those two. The second ingredient for a trend to become mass market to me is uh, that it needs to be enabled by something disruptive, normally a disruptive technology solution, in other case, maybe disruptive regulation or availability of something that wasn't available before. And in some cases, this is technology. So there are a lot of new collaboration tools, cloud-based software, um, really allow worker to share and collaborate in a, in a remote working environment, but also in a hybrid setting. There is a asynchronous communication platform like I don't know, Slack or Teams that can help people to uh, work in different hours and communicate more effectively. There is a much more advanced in cybersecurity and info infosec that will allow us to run the business in a relatively safe way. This wasn't the case before. Uh, and I think this will, uh, will is one of the reasons why this is sustainable over, over the long run. But what's even more important is that the new trend this need to be sustainable and to be a win-win for the different parties involved. And this is definitely the case because it is true that is an advantage for the people, but it's also very good from employer perspective, or at least there are some advantage. There are there are pro and cons, but. You may think in the long run um, to have, have more flexibility, help uh, people to cover better shift, uh, to recruit more flexibly, or also to, you know, in some cases, it may translate in some cost saving. So address the very important needs, supported by new technology that are disruptive and cost effective. And uh, um, it is a win-win for different parties involved. So I think we have all the ingredients there and this um, will become important. Now, exactly in how much time, how long it's going to take, I don't know. Uh, I'm not a magician, but I do believe that it's going to become the norm. Mm -hmm. The second thing I mentioned is that I think uh, we'll have a profound impact in different ways. Um, and it will change deeply how people interact. And I think maybe even more than we believe. And it's not going to change only how we work, but also what else we do in our life. And to bring this to life, let me make um, some example. I'm gonna refer to three examples that really change the way of living for, for different group of people. So the first one will be video games for kids. Or the second one can be social media for teenagers or online dating for a single group. So if you think about kids, for example, um, roughly 30% of, of kids now, um, like play a uh, video game every day and like 40% of the boys that play more than the girls spend more than three hours. As a parent, uh, something I'm quite concerned about. But the key question is also what else change in their life? It's not only how much time they spend on video games, but also what how the rest of their life change. And uh, if you think about, I read a study was saying that um, kids, uh, an average kids now spend seven hours a week outside. It was double that in the past. Uh, a relationship with relatives and parents, they change, uh, they change massively. Uh, now they spend uh, less time outdoor than indoor. And so all those things really had a very profound impact, very similar for social media for teens. Um, this is a mass phenomenon, like 80, 
of the teens have at least one social account and a fifth of them actually report that spend four hours or more every day. Again, where do they take this time from? Ice cream, parties, time with friends, time physically together. And this is true for majority of adults as well. Or I was mentioning dating for singles. Um, you probably know that like a third of new relationships now are, are, are born online and um, more than 10% of marriage are started online. And again, where these people take time from? They, this time is stolen by uh, sometimes aperitifs or a time with, uh, of chatting on the phone and having more deep conversation with friends. Um, it's more about quantity than quality. And so there are a lot of change that go well beyond the, the adoption of these new trends. And I think it's going to be exactly the same for hybrid working. And so what we need to be very mindful of is not how we enable hybrid working, but what we're going to lose because of hybrid working. I'm sure this transformation will come with a lot of opportunity and benefit. Um, so there are benefits in terms of lifestyle, work-life balance, a personalization of your, your journey and your, your day. Uh, and I think that that's great for many families and many people. There will be flexibility in recruiting and mobility. There will be also some uh, interesting social impact um, because of flexible employment maybe can create new opportunity for people to work because less community will mitigate congestion and maybe climate change impact. Um, some of the needs in terms of care and childcare will change and, and, you know, and, and I can keep going. But I think the key question for us is uh, which are the key risks we need to be aware of? How we end up to not be the parents that are desperate because suddenly their kids are spending three hours on the, on the, on the video games and are not meeting friends anymore. And so if we think long run, that's really what we should uh, be very mindful of and try to make sure that we mitigate and we embrace this risk um, in advance. So I'm going to mention three risks. I should probably notice I love the number three um, that are already emerging this year and uh, we need to be very mindful of. Um, one for me will be uh, gender disparity. How this time at home will translate in terms of what uh, people do at home, for example. How much is possible for the people to work? Is there, and we've seen already in 2020 that uh, there is a, a risk of gender disparity increase. So um, more than 50%, I think 54% of job losses were uh, women. Well, actually, in terms of representation in the workforce, women are almost like, I think, 40% roughly. So there is definitely an impact that was bigger for women. One of the reasons, one of the most obvious reasons is that there is a, um, an increase of the burden of unpaid care that normally is disproportionately take care of from women. Uh, women are uh, you know, spending much more time than men uh, to look after the kids when they do homeschooling. Now, I don't want to generalize, and I'm sure that uh, among you there are fantastic fathers, uh, I have no doubt, but I think on average we need to be aware that that's probably the direction of traveler. There is still some legacy that will bring us in that direction. Now, if we go in a world where there is more every working, who's going to pick up the kids from school? i give you an example. There is a colleague of mine that mentioned me when I do video conference in the last year, I always see kids when I speak with my women colleague, and I don't see many times the kids uh, when I speak with my male colleague. It's because they have a room more for themselves. Um, you know, again, I don't want to generalize, but that's definitely something we need to be aware of. Another long-term impact, of course, is isolation, mental health. That's, of course, is more relevant now that we are also in lockdown and with all the impact of, 
of um, of COVID. Uh, but definitely, it's important to to you know to understand that um, there is this is a big this is a, this is another very very important uh, very very important uh, phenomenon that is growing very fast. Um, half of the adult people and two thirds of, uh, of of the young said that uh, their health condition uh, deteriorated a lot during COVID. Again, as I said, COVID is part of it, so maybe part of this will go away. But something we need to be aware. And even if it's not isolation, the problem, there is still the problem of setting boundaries between uh, life and work-life balance uh, and, uh, and how we, we manage to make sure that uh, um, you know, there, is a, there is proper relax and proper time off. So that's something else uh, we need to be aware. And also be aware that there are some people that are less good at managing this work-life balance and the, the number of people that are going close to burnout is really, is really growing a lot. And the third risk that we need to be aware is social disparity. Um, again, the impact on uh, young people of unemployment increase has been much bigger than the impact on the over 25. Uh, I think there was something uh, uh, around France. I was saying that the uh, um, majority of low earners, I know, sorry, a big part of low earners, maybe 40% or so reported worse financial situation, while for was much smaller percentage for high earners. So, I'm sure some of the people in this call, majority of the people in this call are in the second categories. We need to make sure that we understand really well the situation for all the people we manage or all the people that are uh, our colleagues that may be different and maybe we don't have necessarily easy, a full picture. And even uh, beyond the employment condition, you may think about uh, what does it mean to work from home? If you, if you live in a room, if you share an apartment, if you don't have space, or if you don't have money to buy a very good chair or like a very good screen, um, so there is, a, there is a, an element of social disparity that we need to be aware. And my wish is that we manage to see those risks coming and we manage those uh, earlier on and in advance compared to other shifts in the social interaction that probably we didn't manage well enough um, soon enough. So, and just the last point I made is that I feel is a profound change. Um, I think uh, there is a lot of things we can do for our colleagues to make this transition better and smoother and uh, more interesting uh, and to capitalize on the opportunity. Um, and I think I have a couple of slides just to go through them. If I can project it. So am I going to project Min or? You can project it or Sophia can project it. Are you projecting it? Uh, up to you. I don't know if you'll see how you can project the, the, the slides. Um, up to you. Ah, ah, okay, Sophia is sharing. Uh, sharing? Yes. Okay. So just, just uh, to bring it to life, I think uh, uh, the way we're going to leave the office is going to be different uh, and it's going to be, and we need to be prepared. I have no doubt that a lot of us are thinking in that direction, but I think my message here is that this is going to be, this is going to require quite deep um, and profound change uh, in advance. Example may be that before our office were made by mainly desks and few meeting rooms to, to do the teamwork and uh, it's going to be the opposite. It's going to be uh, a lot of collaborative space plus very few spots here and there. Or we're all very fond of the concept of doing offsite or events out. And I think in the future, rather than offsite, we'll do onsite. So when we have to celebrate something, when we do our annual meeting, it's not going to be 
out of the office, but it's going to be the occasion, the opportunity to bring everybody in. So it's going to be the opposite. Uh, or we will go from uh, a office as the idea of the place where you can concentrate to actually being the opposite. You're probably going to concentrate at home and in the office to collaborate. So it's just the use of the office is going to be very different. And then also there is something about how we interpret our interaction. When you're in the office, you just walk around, have a coffee, and you just meet someone, and you can count for that social interaction happening in a very casual way. I think we need to be much more intentful about our social interaction, and we need much more time to celebrate that being together in the time we're in the office. So the overall concept of how we spend time in the office is going to be different. And then, of course, the schedule is going to be very different. You know, before we were, majority of us were kind of used to the nine to six time. And uh, so it's nine to five, um, but, you know, depending on people, maybe whatever. Uh, and it's going to be much more flexible. So maybe people want to be home and then, you know, maybe do a gym class and then go to the office for a meeting and then go home again. And how this is going to impact the way we organize meeting, we organize the agenda. But also before our routine was relatively stable, like you go and every, every weekday you have a bit of meeting, uh, a bit of one-to-one, a bit of desk work, and maybe once a month corporate events, and maybe once a week a team meeting. Now it's going to be different. You will concentrate more some type of work in a certain space, and when in the office, you will use that time for more, I don't know, interaction, corporate event. So the schedule and the agenda is going to be much more uh, flexible and less routinary. When I think about this, um, to me, the, the way I think about this is a bit like um, some of us, I'm sure, uh, some of you, I'm sure, as myself, are expat and they live in different countries, or at least they've been uh, living in different countries for part of their life. And when I think about this, it's a bit like uh, when I move out from uh, Napoli, my town. So um, when you go out, the first things you think, okay, my life is going to be different. I will not have my friends, but I will have these other opportunities. And mom is not going to cook fantastic dinner for me anymore, and et cetera, et cetera. But I think you really think about how different is your life when you go back to visit the town. So when I go back to Napoli now, or when I come back to Italy in general, my life is totally different. People don't invite me anymore to restaurants. They invite me to their home because that you celebrate that being together. You don't taste new food. You just go for root and traditional food of your family or your friends. You don't spend the time when you are, you know, when you go back to visit in your room, you spend the time in the living room because you need to, you know, make the most of it to be with people. And when you meet people on the street, you don't tend to do chit-chatting, you tend to do deep, fewer, you, you tend to see less people for much deeper conversation because you want to, you know, make the most of that time together. So it's not only the way in which we, we, we live what is new, but it's very much, I think, the way in which we will see the office um, as the place in which we kind of come back home and we're all together. And I think, uh, um, just to move out of that, I think, uh, this is about the office and the space and the use of the office. But I think, of course, the management style and the management practice need to change a lot. Um, you know, everybody says we have a trust environment, but I think in reality, very few companies really are based on trust. And, uh, you know, like I laugh when people start to think about how we're going to control people in a remote working environment. I think it's just the amount of work needed to make control work is going to be very difficult to be effective. It's just about moving seriously to a trust uh, approach, a more trustful approach, and of course, management view by objective. Uh, renounce the concept that you can see if they arrive late or uh, you know or go early or if they work or not work. You just 
just need to look at the objective. That's going to be the only more uh, meaningful information we're going to have. Um, and in terms of management, you know, we cannot really count anymore on getting to know the people you manage there, but it, it just be very intentful in terms of uh, intentional, sorry, in terms of building the team because people were not going to share the coffee. They're not going to share the elevator ride. They're not going to share whatever the, the conversation about the weather. And so you need to be more intentional about that um, and more structured communication, but also very uh, flexible in terms of how you staff workload because we need to basically, um, you know, being able to, as I said before, to accommodate an agenda that is very different to, um, you know, to understand where interaction of team are needed and where not. So it's going to be much more flexible approach to management. Now, the, lead, the, the book that you see in the picture is not, to, it's just, a, I'm super proud because that's um, the first book that uh, our founder wrote, Think, Click, Succeed. And there is a lot of those concepts about management are, uh, are not mine, are actually taken from, from Harry. Narencia Daluna, it is the founder. Um, and I think, uh, you know, like I mentioned communication a few times and, uh, and that's probably the most important things that we need to change. Um, we need to be more careful in communication, particularly in regard with onboarding new people um, because they, they will we'll need to compensate for role modeling that it will be missing when people start and they need to understand, take the measure, how I'm gonna leave this company, how I'm gonna move and so forth. Um, we probably need to be much more proactive in terms of listening and checking in because, you know, I was in a meeting with, um, with some people in the company and they were saying, you know, the problem with onboarding people is that uh, sometimes it's overwhelming and uh, you have people that you need to, just to see when they woke up and maybe they take a break and how they feel and look at their face because they're new and they don't feel, um, they don't feel at ease to express themselves. And so that, that visual check-in is going to miss. And particularly it's going to miss for the outliers. It's going to miss for people that are extremely happy and want to celebrate or actually extremely down and need support. And so, we will, again, it's going to be a mix of listening in, but also checking in very proactively to understand how people are. And then also it's about uh, um, outlier in terms of performance. I think... Uh, you know, again, you, you move to a trust and objective management style, but also we need to make sure that we are as fast as we were in terms of talent spotting or in terms of managing underperformance or cultural unfit, because some of the things that are outlier are, will be a bit more complicated to spot in that environment. So that's just, um, just a couple of thoughts, um, but I think uh, in, in, independently of what you do, you know, like it's very difficult to, we had a lot of meeting and try to understand, okay, what's the guidelines? What are the principles? Um, I think at the end, there are a lot of initiatives and, you know, like NABLA we've done many, but at the end, what really matters is uh, the DNA and the culture is not what you put in place in terms of mechanisms of management, control, performance management, office space, all those things are important, uh, but are just a condition sine qua non. The real difference is going to be the culture. And it's going to be the culture particularly, um, I think we can take this presentation out. I think it's going to be the culture particularly uh, in terms of being authentic. Otherwise, none of this is going to work. As I said, trust needs to be genuine and care needs to be genuine. Otherwise, it's not going to work. People will, will see it even if they don't see your face. Authenticity and role modeling, we need to embrace it ourselves fully and entirely. If people feel that you're like, you want, 
you know, you, you accept other people don't come to the office, but actually you don't, that's not going to work or vice versa. You go to the office, but actually you will prefer not, people will sit. So it's generally about embracing hybrid, respecting flexibility, respecting different needs, truly trusting people and be very agile and adaptable because uh, it's a journey. We don't know how things are going to turn out after COVID and we don't know how the work is going to look like. It's changing very fast. And so we'll, uh, it's, it's a lot about being open-minded and, and test to learn. So these are like in my three, um, the three propositions that I have for myself. And uh, when I think about how I want to evolve as a manager, those are the three uh, directions for me. I think that's it for today. I just want to, you know, just put some thought on the table um, to get some reaction. I think in summary, as a leader, we need to be prepared. We need to embrace it and we need to role model it. And that's the way I summarize it. And more importantly, we need to make it right for everybody and not only for, for, for ourselves and for our generation. So thank you very much. Um, I really hope that the, um, uh, that was an initial uh, uh, share of thought, initial thought on the table can generate some question. I'm very happy to answer. Yeah, sure. Um, thank you, Milena. So what, what we'll do is we have, um, uh, because you have to five, 10 minutes of Q&A, uh, you can post your questions on the on the box. I've seen one already, and I have a few ones from different channels. So let me start. Um, what you mentioned is a user trend, and usually you you have a tech trend. Um, a lot of VC call it uh, work from home or work out of the office tech, which basically uh, it's a coming trend. Zoom, for example, increased from ten to 200, 200 million during the COVID and so on. So uh, the first question is, you know, it's your first month as a group CEO. It there's, a, there's any uh, admiral way to, to do this, uh, you know, or to maintain the culture during, uh, during, the, during the pandemic or after the pandemic? I mean, uh, is it something that, uh, is there any uh, admiral way? Uh, yes, I think uh, there are a few things that really characterize uh, admiral in terms of our style. Uh, first of all, uh, we tend to be very consultative. So what we've done, in uh, we've been rest, restless in terms of asking people. So we multiply by a factor of 10, the number of times that we ask people um, weekly, daily, checking in, uh, what do you think about this idea? What do you think about this other? And a lot of the initiative we put in place, uh, and there are many, uh, came from uh, people ideas. And so we had, um, you know, we changed completely our onboarding. We came up with um, so much virtual entertainment to help people with homeschooling, like to take the kids or course or life course or every possible, like from sports to art to um, competition. Competition is something that uh, we always felt uh, worked very well for us. So we've done uh, um, run for charity, like, uh, you know, like every person, people in Admiral running to collect money for charity, or we've done hard competition for kids. Um, and so many, so many things. But I think what is peculiar, I'm sure a lot of companies have done something like that. What is really peculiar about that is that all those ideas were coming from the people. And so I think that's definitely something that is the admirable way. Um, of course, we put uh, staff health uh, and safety first, uh, as uh, I think many other companies. But also, we, I think we're very lucky because our business um, has not been negatively impacted by COVID as many other. We're mainly motor insurance and and so we were in a relatively fortunate position compared to others. But we we use this moment and to be to be questioning ourselves a lot, and we question what our role should have been. And uh, and because we are lucky, as I said, we have a very strong financial position, we were able to um, you know to. 
to really question what was right for our stakeholder and we tried to do all the things that we thought were right. So for example, we did a, a massive refund to customer. We give back 110 million back to customers just because they were using their policy less and it would have been a fantastic return and people really appreciate that. And they still receive uh, compliments and email uh, like the, the feedback of the customer has been amazing. Uh, but also we have done a lot for our local community and our charity. Um, we've done a lot for um, health uh, uh, like NHS worker, people working in the health space. Um, we've done a lot for uh, for our staff and try to help them, giving you know in some case some help and facilitation and a lot to pay the bill or some bonus or um, five days of holidays in UK. Now initiatives were different depending by country, country by country, but I think everywhere we really try to uh, to do our best to to play a good role for all our stakeholders. Um, asking the people and making sure that we were all uh, together, even if it's distant, um, in this journey. Yeah, clear. Okay, thanks. I have a question. Uh, so I don't know if you can see it, but let me read for you. So how much the profound changes within the office that you have mentioned would differ in Europe countries that you are most familiar with, meaning of UK, France, Italy, and Spain? I think the majority will be the same everywhere. The foundation of, I think what I'm saying is, is probably very similar everywhere. Now, um, it is true that in continental Europe, you are probably a bit more of an office culture. Like I think people are less used to remote working than maybe um, in UK or in US. US is a country, is a, is a, is a, it's not a country, it's a, it's a continent that is going much faster in that direction. Um, also because of the logistics of US, like everybody probably needs to take a car to go to the office and, and there is a um, distance tend to be bigger. So I would expect actually more remote working in US than in Europe and inside Europe probably a bit more remote working in UK than in continental Europe because of the culture of uh, togetherness in the office. You see that uh, people in uh, particular, the more you go south, the more they really have tend to have an office life that is uh, um, is closer, and that I think it's just a cultural difference. But I think the foundation are going to be more or less the same everywhere. Okay, um, I have a question about the role of insurance during the pandemic. So if we, if you, if you, if the user trends is right, young people are working out of the office, the new technology will come, um, therefore new risk may emerge. Do you think that this risk is interesting for insurance or for Admiral to uh, to insure or you know to 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 have a policy for that uh, or you know, what do you think? So you mean that the risk of uh, of working for, remotely? For people, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it an, is it a new risk for, to insure for individual or for corporate? That's the big question because I think yeah, there yeah. are two <laughs> elements. Two phase of it. Uh, there is a potential interesting element of. Uh, ensuring people in their ability to work, and that could be relevant particularly for self-employed or uh, small business or a situation in which there is a less uh, corporate protection. And then there is, from a corporate point of view, the, uh, the possibility to, you know, to ensure some uh, risk in terms of operating model and business continuity that uh, uh, can be impacted if there is any big uh, tech failure, for example, and things like that. So there is probably both of them. Um, is it gonna be big? I don't know. I feel um, the self-employment uh, is probably a big, uh, is, you know, it seems to be something that uh, a lot of people will be very mindful and be very aware because there have been a lot of them have been very eaten very hard by pandemic. So I, I can see an increase of awareness, particularly 
um, for people that um, you know like uh, are more at risk um, because they are self-employed or employed by very small firms. Okay. Uh, so we reach out our 10 minutes uh, Q&A, but let me ask you one last question. I mean, you, you've been through the first month. Uh, within the first year, you know, what would be uh, your you main challenge, you know, uh, going forward for the year one, for 2021? In general or uh, um, uh, yeah, in relation you, with this topic? For you, for these topics, as, as, as a group CEO, I mean, as a person, as a, as a, as a manager in, in, and so on. Yeah. What's, 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 what could you be, uh, that could be uh, closing this session, you know, could, 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 what can you share with us? I think in general, the, 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 the biggest challenge to me is set the right foundation for the medium long term. As I said, uh, we're in a sector that has not been hit negatively as other from, uh, from COVID. So the key question is, despite the disruption, despite all the challenge and, you know, all the change that are happening around ourselves, uh, can we really uh, continue to progress in terms of foundation for the medium long run, continue to evolve core capability and uh, you know, continue our expansion, expansion plan and our growth plan? Um, I feel very, very fortunate because I, I can enjoy like a fantastic team. And so I feel very fortunate from that perspective as well. Um, in the short term, if you think about 2021, I think coming back in the new normal after COVID, how is going to be the last part of the tunnel and how we can adapt to the light at the end of the tunnel is probably um, the one of the most important element and decision and foundation for the future. So that's why I was so passionate about this topic as well. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. I think we time's up. So thank you very much. Uh, you know, it was great and uh, to have you uh, in this session and this webinar. Um, thank you very much, and um, you know, hopefully, uh, and good uh, good luck for your new position and uh, congrats again. Thank you, Milena, and thank you for all the listeners. If you want to hear more about the Admiral Group, please follow their Twitter at Admiral Group. If you want to hear more about podcast, please find us at Mandalore underscore Min. This was Mandalore Podcast. InsurTech, a podcast by Mandela Partners. I hope you enjoyed and I'm looking forward to connecting with you next month.